0: this first Sunday in March, where we are launching Women's History Month. And uh, for those of you who have been with us for a while, meaning when we were pre-pandemic, when we were gathering in person, you know that we truly celebrated women's history. And so I wondered what was gonna happen for March. And uh, thank you, Reverend Sonia for heeding the call and coming through. And thank you, Valerie Joy Fidmont, for licensing your (laughs) song in the most informal way (laughs) so that we could have um, the perfect music to support the video. And so I offer you now our heart and soul tribute to Women's History Month. Indeed, we got the victory. So that not only is a beautiful video and uh, with the perfect music underscoring it, I am so grateful. Thank you, Reverend Sonia. Thank you, Valerie Joy Fidmont. So very, very grateful that truly we got the victory. We are, what, what I love about our representations both in black history and in women's history is across the spectrum, so ages and industry and just honoring that we have so much for which to be grateful, so much energy has already been poured in, that we are we, right where we are right now. We are met by those who have prepared the way on this side and on the other side. So those who are ancestors have already prepared the way and there are those presently in our midst who are yet continuing to support us in all that, is poss- that we could possibly desire. Anything that we would want to accomplish, any life that we would want to lead, the way is already prepared. And so there's something quite magnificent that's awaiting us. I want to begin today, even before my talk, by acknowledging Reverend Angelo Allen and Reverend Dr. Will Coleman. Because I'm trying to tell you, they did a thing last week. And that thing allowed me a little, some, some time and an opportunity to recuperate a bit. But it also was very, very exciting for me. To, to experience these brothers. First of all, this is probably my first time that I've seen two brother ministers uh, lift up a sister minister. Let me just, unfortunately. That's an unfortunate testimony, but I am grateful to have experienced it. Um, I didn't know I said all that. Let me just be clear. But I'm grateful that I did or that they thought I did. I'm not sure which happened, that I did or that they thought I did regardless. I am blessed by the way that it all unfolded, and today in our launch for Women's History Month, you know, it at Heart and Soul, we consider Harriet Tubman our matron saint for like all the right reasons, you know, just for me, there's so much about her that speaks to me personally in the in my life and in the founding of Heart and Soul Center of Light. And so she is right there. And so I just want to remind you all that not only are we celebrating women's history, but we're also celebrating Harriet Tubman Day, which is on Thursday of this week, is the official U.S. uh, designated day. But it is also the bicentennial celebration of her birth because she was born in 1822, so here we are in 2022, and the gift just keeps on giving. I want to remind y'all that this is what a life legacy is. See, I'm sure that in her life, she did not have a picture that, you know, in 1820, I'm sorry, in 1822, that there would be some folks in 2022 talking about her. I'm sure that that was not on her mind at all, but what it speaks to is allowing the presence of the divine to guide. And what that means is that the gift that we give, the contributions that we make under those circumstances, with that willingness, with that purity of heart, with that clear guidance, last forever. Forever, yes. Yes, so we are always graced in our sanctuary by a beautiful portrait of Mother Harriet, and then we have a cardboard cutout in the, in the foyer even, you know, but, but it's about freedom. So there are a variety of, of activities, particularly happening in Maryland. You know that she was, she was born on, the, um, on Maryland's eastern shore in Dorchester County and that she was trapped in slavery and enslaved for over 25 years then escaping, and then returning. And that's one of the reasons that she stands out for us. Now, I just want to say for the record, because the records are thin on all of this, that she may not have been the only one. She is the one whose work was recorded. So we know there are those folks, William's still among them, who we are grateful to for them having kept records. And we know that some of the slave narratives give us some clues, but they were also disguising identities because they were written at a time when it was very dangerous. So I just want to go on record and say that while we're lifting up Mother Harriet and we are lifting her up all the way, her spirit is present in us if we activate our our core of freedom our desire and intention for liberty that is our innate being. Does that make sense, y'all? So this is not like an idea that somebody's gonna give you about being free. This is about us having a listening that awakens our innate sense of freedom and liberation. So look, some of what is happening on the eastern seaboard is there is, and this is on my uh, bucket list, by the way, that there is the Harriet Tubman Underground Railroad Byway. And it's a self-guided driving tour that winds for more than 125 miles through beautiful landscapes and waterscapes of Maryland's eastern shore. And then there's another 98 miles through Delaware, and it includes 45 historically significant sites related to the Underground Railroad. And I am so, you know, I'm so in energetically because there is something about Mother Harriet's uh, spirit that speaks to me so personally that I feel like that is on my bucket list and that's gonna be a part of one of the things I'm gonna do one day is go have that experience. We know that she grew up in Maryland, in that area, and then went on to blaze new trails, even in the Civil War, uh, being the first woman to lead an armed military raid, and she was a part of the suffrage movement, and she also was clearly engaged in and actively engaged in humanitarian causes. In short, at least in my book... Her life was remarkable and still offers me, and then I offer them to you, lessons for today so that we can can see and know and be transformed in this. Tomorrow, y'all know that we are reading together. Our community read is 365 Days of Abundance, and the read for tomorrow is entitled Principles of Success and Wealth faith. And that so reminds me of Mother Harriet. And let me tell you why. what, What is quoted here is Ephesians 2 and 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, but the gift of God. And so when I read that, I thought, well, this is talking about Mother Harriet and it's talking about all of the folks who, and Mother Harriet in particular, is said to have communicated, you know, certainly not thy will, but not my will, but thine, but certainly have communicated a sense of being guided, of there was no, there was a sense of humility, a sense of, of of her standing in an awareness that she didn't do this on her own, that she was guided where to go and who to talk to and and how to be, and in so doing was absolutely fearless. The affirmation that the author offers us is, I have been saved through faith, and all my actions, thoughts, and words are guided by divine power. There is, um, there's this, yeah, I think I'm going to have time to, I'm going to make time to share it with you. I want you to know that Thomas Garrett, who was one of the Underground Railroad agents, and when we talk about that, sometimes I think, I know as a kid, I actually pictured, you know, like some stations. That, because I didn't have a sense that this notion of underground had nothing to do with the physical railroad or, or any formal connections, that this was a very informal system that really required a great deal of faith. And there were those Frederick Douglass among them who was like, quit talking about it. Because the more you talk about it, the more awareness there is. We see that today with with some of what's going on in the Ukraine that, you know, so we got social media. That don't mean you have to tell everything that somebody told you or that you saw or report it all because these are challenging times just like then. And so keeping it under wraps and, and holding your awareness, there's something to be said for holding your tongue. I just want to give some lessons on that one day. So he says about her, uh, that is Thomas Garrett says about Harriet Tubman, I never met with any person of any color who had more confidence in the voice of God. That's called faith. Had more confidence in the voice of God as spoken directly to her soul. Now how could he know this other than by what she said and by observation? So what he saw was her listening. What he saw was her acknowledging that I, not of myself, do I know the way or who to do or how to do or when to do it, but I'm being guided by the divine. Let me sit and listen. There's a, there's a, a story about her that I love that I, I wanted to, to find in some detail to share with you. Oh, he says, <laughs> sorry. That no one had more confidence in the voice of God as spoken direct to her soul, and her faith in a supreme power truly was great. There's a story that uh in her later years she had kind of an adopted daughter and they were they were down to their last bit of whatever it was they were going to eat. And so they the daughter was like, So, you know, what was she said, Well, just put the pot on. You know, go ahead and put whatever we have the vegetables and all in the pot. I'm I'm doing this from memory now. And and she was like, okay, but you know, it ain't much. But she was like, just put it on. So she got the pot ready. And Mother Harriet went and got in the closet. I need y'all to hear me about the stillness and the willingness to hear and listen and be guided by the divine. It doesn't happen with a lot of noise. It doesn't happen with us all the stuff that we can be up to so often and so she sits in the closet and then she gets up out of the closet and leaves the house and she goes to the marketplace but it's late so it's at the end of the market and what they're selling and all and she comes back with meat and vegetables but it's at the very end and y'all understand because you've been to the farmer's market at the end and it's not like the farmer's market at the beginning come on now you know, they gonna. I'll just put this in there, because they don't want to take it. They got enough fruit. They got enough whatever. And so it's possible. So she gets up and goes on down there and comes back, and she's able to, to, and she's always feeding a lot of folks. That's part of the story of her life, is that folks were always gathering at her place in that way, and she was, was housing folks. She was an American abolitionist and a political activist. She made at least 13, nobody knows exactly how many, let's be real, but we know there were at least 13 missions and that she rescued at least 70 enslaved persons, not counting the work that she did in during the Civil War, because that was another whole group of folks. So look, y'all, I want to talk a little bit about the Civil War and how how unusual, because this is, this is a woman, it's like the, oh, and I don't, I can't think of another way to say it, but please forgive me because I mean that like the energizer bunny. You, you know what I mean? It's, it's this idea that, that it seems to me in all of the stories told of her life, you could not keep her down. And because she knew she was moving from guidance, nothing could stop her. There's a story told about her that reminds me of the story I shared with you about uh, Charles Langston in Ohio out of Oberlin. And so many of these stories are similar where where the community rises up and they're like, you're not taking him. And there's a story of a man whose name is... Uh, Ch- blah, blah 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 blah. His name is here somewhere. Charles. I, I was reluctant to call him Charles Nail. N a l l e. I do not know how to pronounce it was born in 1821 and escaped slavery in 1858 and made his way to Philadelphia where he met William Still, who, you know, the reason we know where he went and how old he was and all of that is because William Still kept meticulous records of everybody who came through there as best he could. So he sends him on to... um, He sends him on, I'm trying to remember where he's, wherever he sends him. That person doesn't have enough money to get him to Canada. And so he sends him elsewhere and he's there safely for a time. And then ultimately when he feels like it's safe, he makes his way to Troy, New York. And folks go to Troy, New York because there's a huge or a large black community there. And so he's there in Troy and... Um, a businessman there realizes that he might be an escaped or must be an escaped slave. Now, an interesting story, an interesting thing about this story that I just want to take a pause and take this quick little detour. That in some of the recordings of this story, they say that this man looks white, and that the person who comes to get him is his half brother, who owns him, and so. That's it, but then it's told another way that is, it's the way that I read it in someone else's work, it almost appears as if they're trying to protect that family name. But at any rate, um, there is such a scuffle about once they arrest him and they're gonna take him back, that um, he escapes he gets escaped twice, but Harriet Tubman, Features prominently in this, where she—it's said that she they, they have his his hands bound, and she literally links her hands in, and is is kind of cover, trying to cover a dragging him along the crowd is moving him there's one story that it says that she was able to get her bonnet on him so that he looks he doesn't look like the one they're looking for because all they can see with with the crowd that has gathered but so many of these stories are similar where people refuse to allow them to recapture folks and send them into slavery and so I'm not absolutely certain because I've read different versions of this story, but one does have him making his way to Canada. Um, But there's this part of the story is he gets to the other side of a lake. They put him in a little schooner thing, and he gets on the other side, but they've been alerted, so they get him there, and somebody gets killed in the process, but they ultimately get him away. And part of it is purchasing his freedom it is, but what I love about all of these stories is that she features prominently in ensuring that the right thing happens. She always seems clearly guided by the highest and best. And so I just declare, like Melanie Damore wrote a song about Mother Moses, and part of the lyric is, I'm going to stand like Mother Moses stood. And I'm going to add our theme for this year and keep on moving forward together. She says in the the lyric, I'm going to lead like Mother Moses led. And I aspire to lead from that from that place of divine guidance where where I simply surrender and I'm willing to know that everything that I need to know is known and that I can trust it. Mother Moses, I'm gonna stand like Mother Moses stood, I'm gonna lead like Mother Moses led, I'ma let melanie damore tell you about it mother moses melanie
1: i'm gonna walk like mother moses walk and keep moving on i'm gonna walk like mother moses walk and keep moving on i'm gonna walk like mother moses walk and and keep moving on Walk like Mother Moses walked Keep walking on 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 on. Walk like Mother Moses walked I'm gonna lead like Mother Moses led, and keep walking on. I'm gonna lead like Mother Moses led, and keep walking on. I'm gonna lead like Mother Moses led, and keep walking on. Lead like Mother Moses led, and keep walking on, walking on, keep walking on, keep walking on. Keep walking on, keep walking on, keep walking on, walk like Mother Moses walk. I'm gonna sing like Mother Moses sang and keep singing on. I'm gonna sing like Mother Moses sang, keep singing on, I'm gonna sing like Mother Moses sang, and keep singing on sing like Mother Moses sang And keep singing on. 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 on. Sing like Mother Moses sang I'm going to pray like Mother Moses prayed and keep praying on. Oh, I'm going to pray like Mother Moses prayed and keep praying on. I'm going to pray like Mother Moses prayed and keep praying on. Pray like Mother Moses prayed and keep praying on. Keep praying on. Keep Keep praying on. Keep praying on, keep praying on, keep praying on. Pray like Mother Moses prayed. Sing like Mother Moses sang. Walk like Mother Moses walked.
0: Thank you, Melanie Moore and Tammy Hall. I absolutely love that because it, it, it truly inspires me to those lyrics, to walk like Mother Moses walked, pray like she prayed, know like she knew, all of that. Just fill it in for yourself to, to be inspired in, in all of the ways. Look, my life has has worked all of my life for me to make a connection with mentors and models and I... For our mentors, we think about them as individuals we know and with whom we are interacting. And our models, not necessarily. They can be from another whole era and unknown to us and maybe not even speak the same language. But we can see their lives in a way. And often it's not even their whole life. Don't get me wrong. It's not like because we see someone as a model, it means that every aspect of their life, but there's some aspect of their living that we are willing to embody. In a Salbona kind of way, where I see you, I see the way you love, I see the way you care, I see that your your fierceness, I see your faith, I see you, and I see that in me. You know, Salbona is really speaking to how we intersect, how we see ourselves as one, and so yesterday in 365 days of abundance. The writing was on universal law of giving and receiving. And from Proverbs 11.25, a generous person will prosper. Lord, yes. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. That makes sense. Do unto others. And it is done unto you in like way. Our sister Maya Angelou, Dr. Maya Angelou said, I have found that among its other benefits... Giving liberates the soul of the giver. We know that Mother Harriet was a giver. giver. She put her life on the line. And then we know in later times she opened her home and she was always finding a way to include others. The affirmation that is offered is, I am delighted to give because my abundance is unlimited. Now, for many of us, we don't sense the the unlimited nature of abundance in our lives. We don't sense the unlimited nature of of goodness in our lives. Here's the thing, the, the commentary that the author offers us, is that the way to amplify or expand anything that you want is to share it. It's to give it to others. Now, I know that's counterintuitive. And she goes on to offer this example. Well, alrighty then. That if you have $100, you know, in the material plane, if you have $100 and you give it to somebody else, you no longer have that $100. We don't know what you do have, but we know that $100 you handed to them, you no longer have that. But the principles of energy... And everything is energy. Operates differently. This is what we got to know. We know that in the material plane, you're now short $100. But by right of consciousness, well, let's be clear. If you believe you're now short $100, and your whole mindset is, no, I don't have that $100, then you it's energy, and you're in an energetic field of, I no longer have it. It's gone. But if you understand how it works, you don't go down that path. And instead, you understand the law of giving and receiving and that you must think energetically about what you want and give that with joy. It's all energy. The beauty of this law is really in its simplicity. Give away what you'd like to have. Now, I know in some places that's blasphemous. They're like, you must be crazy. I just got this. But that's because they're operating materially. Operating energetically, you realize that it's to give it away, not to grab it from somebody else. Yeah? All right. And even in Scripture, it's, it's always telling us that if you are generous, you'll prosper that the more you refresh others, the more you are refreshed. I am delighted to give because my abundance is unlimited. I'm gonna ask you to say that with me. I am delighted to give. Oh. Gone with your bad selves. I thought you were going to try to repeat after, but y'all got it. I am delighted to give because my abundance is unlimited. It's a beautiful thing when I think about any example, because I love in my life having models of this. So, Mother Osceola McCarty, who was a local washerwoman. We have one of our rooms here, in fact, is is named after, is dedicated to um, Miss Osceola McCarty. So she was a local washerwoman in Hattiesburg, Hattiesburg, Mississippi, who became the University of Southern Mississippi's most famous benefactor. Not Not the greatest benefactor, meaning not the largest amount of money given, but the most famous one. She drew global attention after it was announced in July of 1995 that she had established a trust that after her death a portion of her, a portion of her life savings would be left to the university and it was to uh, provide scholarships for deserving students in need of financial assistance. The amount at that time was estimated to be $150,000, which was a remarkable gift in of itself, but a surprising gift given that every all of her money had come from her washing other people's clothes. You know, I just, just want to pause because there's not a one of us who... If I said let's all set an intention of giving $150,000 to a worthy endeavor, some of you are already opting out mentally because you've already decided that's not anything you can do. And frankly, some of you are opting out no matter what number I'd say. If I said $5,000, you'd be, I'm, no, I can't do that. And you had a trillion reasons but i'm putting before you someone who found a way no matter how much she was making now i said she was in mississippi right washing people's clothes on a washerboard so we no matter what amount you make up you probably have exceeded the amount that she was paid her load but somehow she was willing and then able to put some of whatever that was aside I don't know if y'all are really paying close attention once she had the money well the bank was the first ones to notice that she what she and the money was just accruing so they reached out to see if they could help and And went through a process to see what did she want to happen to the money. And she said a portion of it to, to relatives, to the church, and this. So that was just a portion of what she had amassed. This was not her entire savings that she was giving. She was once asked by an interviewer if she had any advice for young people about how they might improve their self-esteem. You just, you know, you got to just know sometimes. And It said that she thought for a moment and then she replied. It seems to me that if you want to feel good about yourself, you ought to go out and do something worth feeling good about. Sometimes it's so basic. You're not just gonna feel good while you do dirt, while you do wrong. You're not you're gonna have to do some good. You got to plant some good. I don't know where I, I don't know where y'all grew up, but where I grew up on my block, it was you got to bring some to get some. And so that translates in this instance of you're going to have to bring a good attitude, a clean heart to the endeavor if you expect it to turn out that way because it's going to be what you fit it. In June of 1996, so she did this in 1995, Harvard Harvard University awarded Miss Osceola an honorary doctorate. This was the first time she slept in a hotel and had her first ride on an airplane. Later that year, she was recognized with an Essence Award, and Patti LaBelle sang a tribute to her during the ceremony at Madison Square Garden in New York, and I was honored to be there. I have a photograph somewhere with Miss Osceola from that experience, but I was so moved because prior to that, I was not aware of her story, and ever since then, I've been speaking of it because it changed my whole sense of, I knew I was capable of more, but I didn't, it had never occurred to me how much more is possible for any and all of us who are willing. That same December, her hand was on the switch that dropped the ca- countdown ball in Times Square for New Year's Eve. You see, they were keeping her busy, and all of that. Then in 1998, she was awarded the honorary, an honorary degree from the University of Southern Mississippi. And it was the first such degree awarded by the university. President Bill Clinton presented her with a Presidential Citizens Medal, the nation's second highest civilian award during a White House ceremony. She received scores of awards and other honors recognizing her selfless spirit Here's the thing that I also want you to know is, so why she, while she's doing this, and it could be said, but why all the hullabaloo? But I want you to know that sometimes the hullabaloo gets somebody's attention where it's important. So now I need to tell you about Lamar Powell. So the estate of retired Chief Warrant Officer Lamar Lamar Powell donated $2.9 million to the University of Southern Mississippi. It says he was, he said he was first inspired to donate by Miss Osceola when he read about what she did. I need y'all to hear this because you don't, she didn't know him, he didn't know her. I don't know that they knew anybody who knew each other, but when he read about it or saw it televised or however he heard about it, he knew that he needed to do some of that as well. He grew up on a farm outside Liberty, Mississippi. He enlisted in the Conservation Corps Corps after the December 7, 1941 attack on Pearl Harbor, and then he was in the Army. His gift created a scholarship endowment for students in need because he wanted to help people, he said, to get an education, to strive for the top, to save all you can save, and to give back when you can. When he learned about her, her $150,000 gift during a trip home for a family reunion, he called, the University of Southern Mississippi Foundation. And a few weeks later, he sent them a check for $30,000. And when he died in December of 2015, at the age of 97, he made the university, that university, the University of Southern Mississippi and South Carolina State University remainder beneficiaries in his trust. Now, you know heart and soul has been on occasion and continuously asking you to look at including heart and soul in your in your will and in your trust and to to see if there isn't a way because it is the folks who can think ahead you know i appreciate all that folks do while they're here but what i know is it's enough to keep us going while we're here But I don't expect to be here for as long as I've been on the earth, I don't expect to have another 70 years. And so there's something that I must lay down if I intend for my gift, for my contribution to continue. This is a legacy consciousness that I'm talking about, not a personal legacy, not a personal legacy. But a legacy to whatever you have decided matters in your life. Yes? Yes. So look, on the university campus, the University of Southern Mississippi campus, they have a life-size sculpture of Miss Osceola. They oughta. Well, they do. The foundation board, the, the Southern Mississippi. Uh, university of Southern Mississippi Foundation Board made it a gift to the university. It was installed in October of 2020, and it um, it was scu- it's a bronze sculpture. That's the work of artist Ben Watts. Also, he's from Columbia, Mississippi, and it's in the heart of the campus. And there's an empty chair that's a part of it, and it's because that visitors are invited to take a seat with her as many friends did in her life. You can see that she would be that one that folks would just, she'd just be, you can't you see her just mm-hmm, sit right here? And then, and so I love this idea of placing an empty chair next to her so that that entire legacy can continue. Look, y'all. This is everything that I have shared with you today is a call out, an invitation to get into, get into the pool. This is like we all at the pool of Bethesda, get in. Are we all the Hebrew children making our way? Get in the water. Wait in the See, you can't wait in the water till you get in. Is that I don't know if y'all get it, but in order, it's not just a song, it's the idea that in order to have the thing, to have the experience that that Mother Harriet had of, of guidance, you got to be in the water. God's going to trouble the water, meaning that something is going to happen, but you must be in the energetic field in order for you to have the experience of this thing happening. Yes? My Lord delivered Daniel. That's part of the song of Wade in the Water. Did my Lord deliver Daniel? And I love the way my people, my ancestors understood if my Lord delivered Daniel, I know. I know I'm good. Why? Because I'm in the energetic field of faith. I'm in the energetic field of believing. I'm in the energetic field of being a mental, emotional, and spiritual equivalent to what is desired. I'm not desiring freedom while I hold everybody else captive. I'm not desiring good while I that good be given to me while I steal from somebody else. Wade in the water. Get in there. Why? Because God's going to trouble the water. God's going to create the energetic field for all of our hearts desired. Come on, Melanie, tomorrow.
1: Wade in the water Wade in the water, children, Wade in the water, God's gonna trouble the water, Wade in the water, Wade in the water. water. God's gonna trouble the water. Well, who are those children dressed in white? We know God's gonna trouble the water. Well, they must be the children of the Israelites. We know God's gonna trouble the water. We will wait in the water. Wait. Gonna trouble the water. Who are those children dressed in red? We know God's gonna trouble the water. Well, they must be the children of the Moses men. We know God's gonna trouble the water. We will wait in the water. going to trouble the wall. Daniel, did my Lord deliver? Daniel, well, then why not everyone? Well, well, did my Lord deliver? Daniel, deliver, Daniel, deliver. Daniel, did my Lord deliver? Daniel, well, then why not everyone? So we will wait in the water. Wait in the water, children, wait in the water god's gonna trouble the water we know god's gonna trouble the water yeah god's gonna trouble the water
0: thank you melanie demore thank you tammy hall (laughs) weighed in the water indeed. You know, there was a moment there when I thought, where are praise dancers? <laughs> now, I know we not even, we don't even have, <laughs> nobody that's not serving is even in the room. <laughs> <And> so, but <laughs> I, I know they're not in here. But, th- Everything about that song and the way that Tammy was playing and Melanie was playing and singing that just said, first of all, I almost became the praise dancer and I thought, you better sit down, girl. Now, really, but just thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm grateful for our intention to move forward together, to continue moving forward together. To wait in the water, y'all, come on. To not, to not stand. Oh, I'm just. Ooh, Psalm one. To not stand in the, in the council of sinners. To not, to not be on the bench with them. To not be about the gossip and the complaining. To that's what that first part is about. To instead, meditate on the divine night and day and day and night to know and to know that we know that there is one life and that that life is whole it's perfect it's complete from top to bottom and side to side in and throughout in its totality that's not like a, a little summation, but over in the corner of it, in the crevice, it's, it's something else. It's whole, it's perfect, it's complete. I see nothing as it is now. I say that for... Any of us who are having a challenge seeing the whole perfect and complete nature of the divine right now, because right now what we what what some of us are seeing is a is a diagnosis and a prognosis, is a is a number and a checkbook and the balance and a savings or the absence of either of those. What some folks are looking at is maybe an eviction notice. I don't know the sum of whatever it is. What I know is didn't my Lord deliver Daniel? Aren't there some stories, that, or isn't there some evidence, isn't there something to which we can, we, can, we can hook into to know something else? Isn't there a mentor, isn't there a model, isn't there a story, isn't there a fable, isn't there a fairy tale, isn't there a myth, isn't there something that we can bring to the divine mind and knowing that we can have another idea present. The neuroscientists say that we can only, all this multitasking is a lie. That we can only hold one thought at a time, and whether it's true or not, I'm going to invoke it right now because the thought I am suggesting is that it's whole, perfect, and complete. My life, all life, whole, perfect, and complete, regardless of appearances, including the appearance. I see nothing as it is now. Come on, Course in Miracles, help us. Help us to uncondition the mind from the trap of believing that because I see it, that's the way it is, that it's all energy, which means it is presently in motion. Even as I see it, it is changing. And that often I use my mind to hold it in place. Oh, I can stop praying now and preaching. I'm going to, look here. What I know for sure is that there's one life. And that that life is the living one, the strong one. It's the all in all, it's divine source. It's the cosmic ray. It is the divine expressing divine source of all and what I know is that it's my life everything that I can know as my life Every bit of evidence that allows me to stand and say I have a life, I know that I am living the life of the divine, the living one, the strong one, and that the living one, the strong one is living me, and that this is true about everyone at all times and in all places and under all circumstances, that each and every one of us is living the life of the divine, and the divine is living us. That we are breathing the breath of the living one, the strong one. And what? The living one, the strong one is breathing us. When I remind myself of that, it inspires me. It empowers me to know that there's something else going on here. There's something else beyond whatever pain, whatever struggle, whatever disappointment. That there's something else. And that I can choose to tap into the something else. I can choose to to see beyond. I can choose to wade in the water. I can choose to get in it even though it just looks like plain old water. It looks like whatever it used to look like. But I'm seeing it through new eyes. I'm trying to say something now. I'm seeing it through with a new perspective, from a new mindset, with a new opportunity. I'm seeing a new outcome. I know it may be, it may look like the same water I got in last time when I said ain't nothing happened. But now I see. Now I envision. Now I'm more open. Now I am available to whatever my prayer request is. What I know is that the divine, God, the living one, the strong one, it isn't doing a new thing. It's just being the divine. It is being the source of all 24-7-365. What's different is my willingness to have it be different in my life. And so I speak this word that I be different. I speak this word that for anyone who's allowing my voice to speak for them, that they are different in this moment by their understanding, by their willingness. I'm going to stand like Mother Harriet. I'm going to stand like Mother Moses stood and keep moving on. I'm going to give thanks like Mother Moses gave thanks. I'm going to know the truth like she knew the truth. I'm going to contribute, give, open my heart like she opened her heart. I just give thanks. I give thanks for all the models, the mentors, the guidance, the truth, the light. I give thanks. And it is an absolute perfect gratitude that I just release. I release this word into the perfect activity of law that I know is the love and the perfect activity of the divine, of the living one, the strong one. And I let it be, sealing this for forever and ever and ever. I let it be by simply saying, Ashe, Amen. And so it is.